Hello and welcome to the Real Life Business Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marquick, an accountant and business coach to the busy business mum looking to find more confidence, clarity and calm amid this crazy thing we call life. Now, at the end of this episode, go on over to clairemarquick.com.au to check out all my latest offerings, blog posts, and freebies. But right now, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Life Business Podcast. This week, we are having a pro tips conversation and I am chatting with Tony Lane. Now, Tony comes with a bit of a scary label, registered liquidator. So not only a numbers person, but a numbers person who deals with the fallout of liquidation and bankruptcy. However, when you have been in that world for 30 years, you develop an expansive knowledge base of why things go wrong and how to avoid it. So I am looking forward to tapping into that more today. Now, Tony is a father, husband, business analyst, academic, entrepreneur, and self-confessed underachiever. He takes the complex and turns it into simple, digestible takeaway messages that won't leave you checking for your wallet or your purse. So Tony, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Awesome. Now, why don't we start off for those who don't know you, uh, if you could share a little bit more about yourself and how you came to be doing what it is that you are now. I guess I fell into it a little bit. I started off my professional career um, in probably a place a little, little bit worse than my current title. I was in the tax office and I was an auditor. Uh, and then I moved from that into something worse, which was a fraud investigator. Wow. So I had a bit of a regulatory bent to my career. And after doing that for 10 years, I was looking for something a bit more fulfilling. So, of course, joining the private sector was the next step. But becoming a registered liquidator really wasn't on my um, radar at that point. And it evolved over time. I grew to love what I do and and certain aspects of it, like most things, aren't particularly pleasant. But mm-hmm. there are some really good good parts of what we do now, which is what I'm trying to focus a lot more on in the in the practice that I've now developed. Yeah, because you you were um, working sort of within a larger firm, weren't you? And now you've recently gone out on your own to allow you to focus more on the parts of the, the role and, and the parts of the industry that you're passionate about. So why don't you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, that's true. I was... Um... I was in a, a sort of a medium-sized national practice, and that was that was good um, for the time that I was there. But then, what's happened since then is I've well, not since then, but over time, as I've as I've worked through thousands of insolvency matters now, is I've come to realise that one of the you know, the sort of the the driftwood, the collateral damage, is often the people. Mm. So as liquidators, we look at the numbers, we look at the assets. Our principal focus is taking the assets, turning the assets into a pile of cash, telling the story to the people who are owed that cash about what happened and why, and then working out who gets the cash. Um, Nowhere in that equation is there ever a discussion about what happens to the people, what happens to the directors who've lost their life's adventure, what happens to the creditors who have lost substantial amounts of money through no fault of their own and and what happens to the other stakeholders around it and how does that all sort of flow in circles and if there's something that I can do to interrupt that flow to make sure that people are looked after even a little bit better I mean we often say that you know people leave liquidation with most of what they came with which is nothing and and if we can make people feel a little bit better about the decisions they've made or a little bit better about their life going forward and a bit more confident, their ability to trust their own decision-making again, mm. things like that, then, then I can walk away from a job thinking, you know, I've added some value. Yeah. I think, I think community looks at- Rather than just ticked a box and, you know, yeah. gone through a process. Yeah, look, liquidation is not hard. It's a method statement. It's do this, follow the bouncing ball, and you get to the end. But when you're looking at the human element, that's the hard part Mm. because you've got to pay attention to that. You've got to be very deliberate in how you communicate with people. And we often fall back into our comfort of the way that we work and we just fall back into the procedure. And it's not until somebody 
calls us to account that we think, oh, maybe we could have done that better. And the public has a perception of, of us as being sort of um, you know, unfairly, I think, corporate undertakers or what I like to call financial street sweepers. You know, we come along and we clean up the mess that other people have made and, and follow with a sandwich board that says, you know, nothing to see here. And, and it's as though the whole town gets cleaned up overnight and we start again. Yeah. But the people don't get cleaned that easily. And that's where the damage comes. Exactly. And we've had a conversation, um, we, the the collective, we, we at Real Life Business have had conversations about that. And there's episodes um, back from season two, number 34, I think with um, Kylie Daly, a, a lady who shared her very personal story of going through bankruptcy and what that meant for them as a family and with three young daughters um, at the time. And, and like you say, that the, the real personal impact, it's, it goes far beyond paying creditors what they're owed and things like that, doesn't it? But let's 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 like break things down a little bit because these are these are some of these terms are already scary terms, you know, creditors and liquidators and paying you know assets and um, liquidating cash and things like that. Let's let's break things down really really simply. I think I think you know we've had conversations before about. Um, if we, when we're setting up our business, can do certain things, we can do things at the, the forefront, can't we? We can do things proactively. We can set ourselves up. We can put things in place. And whether that's just mindset things or whether that's um, thinking things through a little bit, developing a bit of a plan, what do you see as some of the, I know it's probably a how long is a piece of string question, but what do you see as some of the the most common mistakes you see small business owners making and how might the listeners mitigate those in their own businesses? It's an excellent question. And if only you know, advisors out there were to ask that more often, you know, what can our clients do at the start to mitigate what might happen at the end? And mm. the answer lies in the question. And it might challenge some of your listeners to hear it, but it's think about the end at the beginning. What's mm. your exit strategy? How do you propose, you're starting out this business with either people that you know and like or people that you know and like and may not have known for very long. And it always scares me when I see people getting into business with people that they absolutely do not intend to spend the rest of their life in business with. Mm. Yet you spend enough time around family lawyers and they'll tell you that even people who intend to spend the rest of their lives together will sort out their financial arrangements at the beginning. That's what a binding financial agreement does. But business people who want to do that not for the rest of their lives will ignore simple things like shareholders agreements or partnership agreements or some sort of written document that talks about how you're going to bring to an end the venture that you're now starting. And then what's the mechanism that you do that through? Is there a buy-sell agreement where you agree to sell your interest for a predetermined sum or a, or a value ascribed by someone at the end how do you do that and what are you what are your plans what are you what's your strategic direction yeah and heaven forbid heaven forbid your strategy should diverge from that of your business partner or partners what do you do then because a lot of the work i see comes from people who have never ever thought about that and then they get to that really crunchy conversation where it's no longer a functioning, comfortable relationship with their business partners. Mm. And that's either one against many or one against one. Um, but there's no immediately obvious exit strategy other than the very blunt tool of the courts and litigation. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that's how you make a small fortune in business. You start with a large fortune and do that. <laughs> So, so this is like breaking things down like super simply. This is, you know, like so many, so many sort of really small bit more, even big, big businesses. So many businesses are born out of a conversation or a, a spark, a moment, something um, either on our own or we're bouncing and we're chatting with two different people. And so we're talking about this is, say, two friends or family members or whatever it might be that have this idea and they're going to go into business and all the focus is on the present, the here and now, the product or the service or the, the premises or getting staff and, and, and everything that happens in the moment to get the business off the ground. 
around. And what you're saying there is that although it's not so exciting to really get very clear right at the start, like what will be, what are we aiming for here? Like, how will we split this? How will we, how will we know when we've gotten to a point where we need to have a conversation about exit and things like that is having those kind of conversations right at the start. Absolutely. And it's, it's probably even a bit more complex than that in that your exit strategy may not be, to wind it all up at the end you know you major you major money along the way and you get to the end and say well that was fun let's call it quits I mean your strategy might be to scale it to a point where you're a takeover target somebody wants to come and buy you I mean that's the standard entrepreneur model mm. isn't it where where you want to build something you scale it you get it to a point and you sell it and you do that again and again and again but what we can't lose sight of is at the outset when everything's exciting you're bouncing ideas off each other. You're brainstorming at a million miles a minute and you're, nobody's finishing a sentence. And they go, yeah, but we could do this and then that and then the next thing and the next thing. And you're refining ideas and that's the brilliant part about that genesis of a business is that concept. It starts with an idea mm. and it starts with some passion. And you don't want to lose that, but at the same time, you want to get down in writing what you're agreeing to do because Nobody's going to remember three or four or five or 10 years from now exactly what it was we agreed to do because they're all going to put their own spin on it. Yeah. The way you avoid that, put it down in writing. It saves so many problems, Claire. And I guess the other part of it is, you know, for people listening in, let's say, let's use the example of a retail store. You know, um, two friends have gone in and uh, are setting up a retail store, for example. Um, and like you say, it's all exciting at the start. Like we, when we're talking about um, starting with the end in mind and having that exit strategy planned, is there a need, like I'm thinking there isn't necessarily a need to be able to answer maybe every question and, and pre-think every eventuality. It might just be that, you know, let's get to this stage and then let's sit down and reassess and have this conversation again, see where we're both at, see where our priorities are, see what our intentions are, see what our motivations are. Is that sort of something that you would recommend people doing, having regular check-ins, especially if you're in business with someone else? Certainly, uh, I, it, that's unavoidable. I think it's it's not often well practiced mm. uh, is the challenge because you know, we've all heard that you know, adage of working in your business or on your business and people get very, you know, people who go into business generally are good at what they do. They're good at selling, they're good at making, they're good at delivering a particular service or sourcing particular goods. Nobody who starts a business says, I want to get into business because I'm really good at business. <laughs> Um, that's not that's not their raison d'etre. So at somewhere along the line, you've got to get good at the businessy bits of your business. You know, the admin things that are going to bore you to tears and make you want to stab yourself in the eye with an ice pick. Um, <laughs> and, and it keeps you up at night long after the kids are in bed because it's necessary. Yeah. And, and I've seen what happens from with businesses where they're so concentrated on doing the doing that they forget to sit down and rise above it and take that helicopter view and say, look, where are we going? Mm. It's like trying to steer the Queen Mary without a compass. Yeah. You, know, you, you make little adjustments, little adjustments, and all of a sudden you're miles off course. And then getting back to where you need to be requires major shifts. And yeah. those shifts are often uncomfortable. And, and the other thing, like we talk about it a lot, uh, I talk about it a lot in my own coaching practice with my, with my clients is like if we don't have, so I'm not one, I'm not one when, when I say business plan, you know, I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not talking big, massive 10 page document, everything set out in stone, but we have to have an idea, don't we? We have to have an idea of where it is we're going, what we intend to do, what we intend to create, how we intend to serve. Um, and we need to know what's important to us. We need to know what our priorities are because, to me, they're our compass. They're our, they're our guiding um, principles, if you like. And I always encourage, whether they be solopreneurs or um, sort of leaders in bigger businesses, to be constantly reevaluating those priorities, reevaluate those values. Because, like you say, like if you don't have that compass, you don't have that destination set. You can you can travel for 
you know, five, 10 years down the track and then suddenly wake up and be like, oh, how did I get here? And then, like you say, that, that, that sort of transition to get back, well, it's almost not getting back, is it? Because you never defined where the destination was in the first place. So that transition of getting somewhere where you want to be becomes a much bigger challenge, particularly if you've got multiple people involved. Absolutely. I mean, it's, what do they say? If, if you don't have a target, how do you know when you've hit it? Exactly. And, yeah. and, and so, it, it, as you say, it doesn't have to be yeah, a formal strategic plan and, and those sorts of things broken down neatly into a business plan with deliverables and KPIs and the things that are going to give you a haircut that looks like mine. For the viewers who can't see my head, I'm ostensibly bald. Um, my head is upside <laughs> They'll down. see from the cartoon. <laughs> the hair is on the bottom half of my face, not the top. Um, uh, yet my head's up the right way. Um, so, so clarifying yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, when you call them big rocks, call them key objectives, call them strategic goals, doesn't matter. Have a target mm-hmm. and stay as close to the data as you can. So, real time is best. If you can get yesterday's numbers today or tomorrow then you're able to make decisions based on real-time information. Mm. Making, making decisions in the absence of information has a name. We call it a guess. <laughs> and so if you're investing money, your own money, somebody else's money into a business venture, whether that's a big lump of cash that you've got from the bank or you've drawn out of your mortgage, um, and we can talk about that till the cows come home, um, you want to know that you're doing the right thing with it or the best that you can. Mm. And information is key. So if you don't have systems and things that give you information about where you're going and what you want to do, um, that's really challenging because you become rudderless. And without direction, you're going to bump into things. Even the Titanic had a really good compass and it still ran into an iceberg and sank. Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't have a compass and you don't have an ability to navigate the, the choppy waters of business, how do you know whether you're heading for a port or just out to sea? Exactly. So how what advice would you give for somebody um, somebody listening to this going, oh shit, you know, this is this is get this is really scary. This is this is the stuff that I'm not putting any attention into. I know I'm not, but I don't even know where to start. Yeah, you know, what what advice would you give that person? Say he's been in business for five years, doing the do, knows they need to put more attention into um, working on the business and the the direction and tracking things correctly in inverted commas where do people start like how do we start to demystify this how do we start to make Mm. it seem less scary and intimidating it's a great question i think where i'd go is back to being deliberate so the first thing i would do is commit to setting aside some time Mm -hmm. and and whether that's a weekend whether that's a day where you just turn the phones off or just make plans to be away from the physical environment of your business, whether that's just turning your phone off so the emails aren't pinging you every five seconds or whether that's shutting the doors or leaving it to your staff for a day and and getting your head around what brought you there in the first place. So tap back into your why Mm. and, and ask yourself those questions. If you don't know what your why is or you don't know any more, so you ask yourself, what do I want out of this? I want this. And then ask yourself why five times after that, mm-hmm. and you'll get to the core of why you're doing what you're doing. Because really people go into business for you know, four main reasons, for, for, um, for freedom, for time, um, for hope, and for family. And they're the four pillars of business which, which really drive most people. Um, some are in it for the sort of material things, but the material things feed into one of those things anyway. So tap into your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And then look at what, what do you need to do to achieve that why? So your why then dr- drives your big rocks, your strategic objectives. Mm. And, and from there, you can break each one of those down into no more than four dot points. What am I going to do? What things do I need to do today, tomorrow, and the next day to achieve that? And I like to break those into four simple questions. What do I need to do more of? 
What do I need to do less of? What do I need to start doing and what do I need to stop doing? Yes. And if you can answer each of those four questions in relation to each of your strategic objectives, that'll build itself into a plan because you know what you have to do. And really yeah. it's just, it's, it's balancing out things you, you hate to do and you have to do so that you can do the things that you like to do and love to do. And so if you can do that, if you can do that, and I, look, I'm borrowing shamelessly from Keith Abraham there. So if nobody's listened to Keith Abraham, go and listen to him. But, um, it, you know, they're the sorts of things that you can do really easily. Spend even just an afternoon on a weekend. And, and if you're a significant other, if you've got a partner who's not involved in the business, or even if they are, sit down and just throw ideas, bounce ideas, mm. but be open to new ideas and new strategies and new ways of doing things because you'll surprise yourself. I certainly did when I started off as a you know sole practitioner in a new practice. Yeah. I think that's a really key point that you've just made there. I, I think we can, we can, it, no, it can be very easy to blinker ourselves or give ourselves tunnel vision that this is how, this is how it has to be. And, and we were literally um, just earlier today on the day of recording this episode, we were having a conversation in, in the, the hub, in the real life business hub about um, being very mindful that we're not paying too much attention to how someone else is doing something because how they're doing something, even if they're in the same industry to us, they're going to have very different drivers. They're going to have a very different why. They're going to have very, very different values. They're going to therefore following your sort of um, terminology through the conversation, very different strategic objectives. I can't even spit the word out. Or, you know, their priorities, the things that are important to them are going to be different. And therefore the way that they're operating, you would think is going to be serving their why, their priorities, their objectives. And so if we spend all our time focusing on, looking at what other people are doing and comparing ourselves to it, we, we are inadvertently then veering ourselves off track automatically, aren't we? So it's, it's really, really important to be very clear on why we're doing things, not necessarily the specifics of what we're doing, because then we blinker ourselves to, the, to seeing new possibilities. Yeah, and, and just to use an analogy in that, in that environment, it's like contrasting a pool swimmer and a surf swimmer. A pool mm. swimmer has, still has guidance. Both of them use the same sort of principles to guide what they do, but they're in different environments. Their their mechanism or their vehicles similar. They're still swimming, but a pool swimmer is guided by a black line and a cross at the end of the wall, whereas a surf swimmer is guided by raising their head up and looking above the waves for their target, whether it's a buoy, whether it's a marker on shore, so that they're always heading in that right direction. And if a surf swimmer employed a pool swimmer's strategy, which is put your head down, breathe to the side and just keep swimming, then how do they know where they're going? Mm. And, and it's similarly, if a pool swimmer adopted a surf swimmer's strategy, well, they'll lose out because that's inefficient. Yes. And so it's, it's picking the right delivery mechanism, the right strategy for your circumstances and ultimately what you're comfortable with. I think business in itself is about taking yourself outside your comfort zone because nothing grows in a comfort zone. Um, and so pushing yourself is important. But, you know, some people are going to be better at talking face-to-face -face with others as we're doing now. Yeah. Others might prefer to do that through email or through a, a marketing medium like LinkedIn or Facebook or something where they're pitching to a wider audience and they don't necessarily want to do that one-to-one -one, or they want to think about it a bit more so it's it's maximize your strengths try and improve your weaknesses and use the tools you have rather than going and searching for the perfect model the way as you said someone else is doing it benchmarking is absolutely benchmark by all means because you've got to have some basis of measurement but spending too much time on that and not enough time on doing the doing things Mm. is is you know, also going to be detrimental. So I've said, don't focus all your time on the doing the doing. And I'm now saying, don't focus all of your time on not doing the doing. <laughs> You've got to find some balance in all of this. And, and different stages of your business are going to demand different levels of attention from you. Yeah. Let's, let's contrast January 2020 
2019 with March 2019. Well, now, exactly. In the space of two or three months, and some business models collapsed completely. Some changed 180 degrees. Some didn't change at all. It just and depends that, on your circumstances. And that's another example. I mean, it was extreme, but it's one we've all lived through, or living through. That's another example of where knowing our why and what's important to us and focusing on it is potentially so much more valuable than focusing on how we do something. Because when we're so focused on how we do something and doing the do, and that's all we think about, when there's a massive curveball like that that's thrown at us, we're suddenly like, oh, shit, you know, like, well, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm completely done because I can't do that thing anymore. And that's where you talked about earlier. That's where it comes to raising ourselves up, doesn't it? And getting that helicopter view and going, okay, well, no, I can't do that anymore. But let's tap back into why I'm doing this, what it's all about, what the bigger purpose is and what I love to do and what, how therefore can I change direction? You know, it's the ship analogy, you know, there's a, there's a big iceberg right where we want to be. Um, but we want, we want to be sort of over on the other side of it. So what, how can we circumnavigate that? How can we redirect our course and get back on track? If you like. Yeah. We're going on a bear hunt becomes a business strategy book. You know, we can't <laughs> go over it and we can't go under it. Um, but it, it's interesting. A lot of, successful businesses that emerged from COVID flipped around the analysis paradigm. Now, lots of big words in there, but what they did was they said, I'm not going to focus on what I can't do. I'm going to focus on what I can do. Mm. What can I do? What are the things that, that the government's going to let me do? What are the things the market's going to let me do? What are the things my customers want me to do? And by spending not a lot of time, but enough time to understand those things, what happened was, the, and I hate the term because people should be flexible in business anyway, but those businesses that successfully pivoted their business model mm -hmm. and, and changed their approach to their markets or explored new markets were fiendishly successful and some of them recorded their best years ever mm -hmm. during the pandemic and the lockdowns. And uh, Winston Churchill was famous for saying, you know, success is just the ability to move from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> and, and that's really what happened during the pandemic is people would move from thinking, no, that doesn't work. So if I'm going to fail, I want to fail fast. So, so do that thing, right? That doesn't work. Retreat, do the next thing. And they keep poking at the wall until they find a soft point and go, right, there's my point of entry and through I go. And that's really what we saw during COVID. Absolutely. How do you think, and this, you know, this is just a random question. It just popped in my head as you were talking. How do you think we train our brains to think like that? Because, you know, it's this um, a sweeping generalisation, but there's this societal fear of failure um, but that quote that you just said there, you know, that just success is bouncing from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. How do we, how do we shift into that mindset of, you know, when we've tried something and it's failed, that we're not a complete mess, we're not a complete disaster, you know, oh, I'm not cut out for this. I uh, see, you know, I was never meant to go out in business on my own. How do we train ourselves, do you think? This might be a bit beyond the scope of. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's right on point. I mean, it's, again, it's a very interesting question to unpack and we could probably do a whole session just on that one question yeah. but it ultimately comes down to the connection that we make between our own self-worth and success and the success of the enterprise we're engaged in that produces our income and our wealth and so you know you will have and I do often talk to people and you say um hi how are you um tell me some more about yourself and the first thing they do is they launch into their CV or mm. they, they tell me what they do. And I said, that's not what I say to myself. I didn't ask you that question. I said, tell me some more about yourself. And immediately they try and use that sort of societal positioning, that hierarchy that we all sort of seem to have in our heads um, around where they rank in terms of what my expectations of them ought to be. I'm a doctor. I'm a physiotherapist i'm a liquidator i'm an accountant i'm a business coach um that's not what i asked you mm -hmm. um and and it's interesting because people who 
don't start the response that way, who started in a different way and say, well, you know, I'm a husband, a father, and you know, my, here's my wife, Jen, meet so-and-so, and, and go into it that way. They're people who are very confident in themselves generally. They're not defined by what they do. It's part, what they do is part of who they are, but it's mm-hmm. not all of it. And the real mark of how successful people are in that space is whether they're able to separate personal and business failures or whether they're inextricably linked. And the one thing I see so much in the work I do is that the individual collapses when their business collapses because they can't, they can't separate those two concepts. They're linked by what they do to their own value system and how mm. they see themselves and how they portray themselves. And social media, Facebook's a wonderful exemplar of that. You look at the sorts of things that people put on there about the things that define them, and it's very scary as soon as some of that starts to fracture. And you um, see that, don't you? Sorry, mm, just to, to, to right. cut in there, but you see that not only in the, the small business owner entrepreneur space as well, and, and it's something else that we've seen as a result of COVID with so many people being made redundant. Suddenly their careers that they may have had for 20, 30, 40 years, they don't have that career anymore and their identity has been tied to that career. Their success metric for life has been tied to that career, to that title, to that position, so that when that's taken away, um, it's like they've lost a whole, a whole their whole sense of value, their whole sense of worth. And it's sort of almost feeling like they've got to start all over again. But, you know, that's a massive mindset piece, isn't it? Sort of detangling our identity from our business, from our career, from any vehicle, I guess, other than ourselves. Well, here's here's a challenge for the listeners out there, you know, listening to this. Sit down with a piece of paper. And do this in the next 10 minutes, write down, or after you finish listening to this, not now, but after you finish listening to the episode, write down the, the last 10 people that you spoke to and whether they were happy with their job. Just as an example, because if a friend comes to you and says, Claire, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really getting it out of my job anymore. It's, you know, the people there are really you know, they're energy vampires, they're, they're oxygen thieves, they're really not the sort of people I want to hang out with. The money's great, but, you know, these people are really bringing me down and it's now starting to come home. My yeah. kids are edgy because I'm edgy. And what would your advice be? It's like get out of the environment as fast as you can. But do we ever give ourselves that advice? Mm. Do we ever do that? Do we ever step back from a situation and say, you know what, this is making me desperately unhappy. This is not something I want to be in anymore. And when a business is failing, you know, what, what do people do? Do they grab a bigger bucket and try and bail more water or do they just bail faster? And often people race with increased acceleration to a headlong crash, which is going to have devastating consequences personally, but because they can't summon the courage to be able to take a step into the unknown and often it's that it's just simple courage now what would you do in your business today if you knew you could not fail Mm. what decisions would you take what actions would you do who would you hire who would you sack you know what new things would you do what old things would you stop doing if you knew you couldn't fail and, and really challenge yourself to separate your thinking from this value judgment and perception of value because it's often just rubbish. People think, I don't want to do that because if I fail, then my husband, my wife, my partner, my family, my mum, my kids will think less of me. Mm. And I guess my message that I've heard so many times from entrepreneurs is that I would rather see parents of children who tried and and didn't make it than somebody who didn't try at all. Mm. Because I think my kids are going to respect me more if I try and don't get there and get up off the mat and have another go and get up off the mat and have another go than if I said, look, it's all too hard, I'm just not going to bother. And then somebody finds me in the corner in the fetal position sucking my thumb. 
Um, and again, you know, this is, I love this because it, it's so um, interesting and I haven't steered, we haven't steered the conversation this way on purpose. But again, this is another conversation we had in the hub this morning about at what point is having the courage to have the open and honest conversation either with ourselves or with our business partners or, or life partners or whatever it might be that when, when something isn't working, where is the failure is the failure or the perceived failure is the perceived failure saying this isn't working anymore I'm going to stop this and I'm going to do something else or is the failure continuing to flog a dead horse so to speak um, and being stubborn in the mindset of well this is what I said I was going to do this is what I'm going to make a success of and we use that analogy it's like well what what example are we setting for our kids taking either of those parts you know what which of those lessons do we want our kids to learn that once you've made a decision that's it you're stuck with it for life even if it makes you miserable or let's try something if it doesn't work let's reassess and let's tweak and pivot to use that buzzword we both despise and and do something else but that 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 um decision to stop doing one thing and start doing something else can I've found in my experience still be perceived as failure but I mean ultimately when you think about it in the context of what we've been speaking about it's quite the opposite isn't it it is I mean I failure to me is a rather brutalistic con concept of you know what an uh, an assessment of the outcome of something is you know if you want to get into technical terms it's a suboptimal outcome <laughs> but you know I don't, and I also don't want to give the impression that through this I'm saying to people, look, if it's too hard, stop and do something else. Mm. Courage has a, a flip side to it is it's understanding what is worth fighting for and then assessing your level of energy to put in it. So when I'm talking to a business owner and to bring this back to sort of real pinpoint focus on business mm. for a minute, um, when I'm talking to a business owner, and we've, we've done the initial assessment and we've worked out that the, the company that they're, they're running is heading towards or may be already insolvent. And they've come to me early enough, thankfully, that we can deploy some rescue strategies that really aren't sort of financial palliative care, where we've just got to manage it until the patient dies. Um, the first question I say, I ask them, is how much energy personally do you have to devote to pulling this out of the muck? Mm. Because I can, I can show you the way. I can stand there with the lantern and say, follow me. But if you don't have the energy to keep pace and to go over and above 100% from time to time when your whole body is saying, I can't do it anymore, and you just need to take one more step, if you don't have that energy, then the solutions that require that energy are now off the table. And we move down the hierarchy of, well, what's next? What do you have the energy for? And unfortunately, some people say to me, look, Tony, stick a fork in me. I'm done. I'm out. I've got no energy, energy to do this anymore. And so I say, well, okay, well, liquidation is the only alternative for you because that means I take it all over. Yeah. But if you want to, if you want to fix something, you want to rescue it, you want to re reface it, um, repackage it and put it back out there on the street if it is a bit busted, then you need energy, that personal drive and that reinvigorated why. Why am I doing this mm. to push it through? And if you don't, it's not going to happen. So that's the flip side of courage. It's having the ability to identify when it's a lost cause and when your energy is best devoted to other things, that opportunity cost of energy, mm. or you're sitting there and saying, you know what, there's a chance. And whilst ever this thing's got a breath in it, I'm going to give it a red hot go because for me, I need to. Mm. Now, I'm probably going to counsel against that if that means drawing $300,000 out of your mortgage and putting yourself at, you know, at risk financially. Financial can, difficulty, yeah. Don't do that. Don't rob Peter to pay Paul. But similarly, don't give the game away if it just requires a little bit more effort and energy. There may be things that have disillusioned you the relationships that you're trying to escape with your business partners or or some part of that. But if you are able to see beyond it and see where it could go and you've got the energy to do it, then let's talk. Let's work on that. Yeah. 
I think there is there is so much um, there is so much value in this conversation, and there's so much more I want to ask. You picked up on um, you mentioned something earlier that I might say a little sneak peek for anyone listening. You you are going to come on into the hub and present some um, present a session in the hub as well, aren't you? Where we'll dig a little bit deeper onto into some of this. And something that you mentioned um, earlier, you mentioned the word benchmarks and how benchmarks are really important not to be so hung up and caught up on, but they're good guideposts, I guess, to make sure that we're on that right track. So, you know, what I'd love to dig a bit deeper into is how, as a business owner, we decide what to track. Well, how do we decide what to measure? How do we decide what to benchmark ourselves against? And how do we use that information to help us make um, decisions in our business? So I think that's something that will be really, really cool and really, really um, interesting to dig deeper into. But if we can kind of wrap a neat little bow around everything that we've spoken about today, what would be your sort of um, top takeaways that you want people to, to take away from this conversation? Um, look, there's a few. I think you know, the end is never the end. Mm-hmm. It's just a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if you fall down, pick something up. So don't hit the mat and then stand back up again having learned nothing. You know, resilience is a really important thing. We've learned that over the last couple of years. We've seen it in our businesses, in our home lives, in our kids' lives. And it's challenged everyone. And I think what we've now found is as a society, we're a lot more resilient than we gave ourselves credit for. Absolutely. So bank so bank that. Take that away and, and use that as some of your personal armour in business to say, you know what, I'm a bit more bulletproof than I gave myself credit for. And, yeah, there'll be rough seas and, and there'll be things that happen to us which we don't like. But if we can reduce our downtime from, you know, three days to three minutes mm. and then and then we're back at it okay I'll give myself a pity party but the permission is only for three minutes <laughs> and I'm going to start my stopwatch and then it's done you know what that is a strategy I saw somebody use with their coaching clients once and you absolutely have the permission to get down on yourself the clock starts now and in yeah. three minutes you're done <laughs> so you want to lie on the floor and kick and scream get it all out get it all out but you've got you know You've got this much time to do it, 180 seconds. Um, So, yeah, I I think that that the resilience piece, but also getting advice. Mm. Like there are often people. You you rarely are you the first person to sort of hit upon a a novel business strategy. Uh, You know, there are people who have gone out there and made widgets and sold widgets, and they've spoken to other people who've made and sold widgets and said, how did you do it? Mm. And what you're doing is you're looking to sort of eke out a margin and do a bit better. So get advice. Many people see that as a cost. I say it's an investment. And if if at the start of things you're going to get advice, as things start to mature and maybe peak and start on the downhill run and, and you're feeling that momentum building that you can't quite control, it's like being on the other side of the, the roller coaster, just as it peaks, you yeah. go, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. Then go and get some advice and build that network of people around you that you trust, not because you're them, they're your mates, but because you value their experience and the quality of their advice, whether that costs you money or not. Find a mentor, be engaged with that person and be accountable. Be accountable to yourself be accountable to you know the people that are around you and also the people that mean the world to you because there's no point going home at the end of the day and kicking the cat just because things aren't working it's it's never ever going to get better doing that and I'm not advocating for people to kick pets don't kick their cats. <laughs> I don't want a phone call from the RSPCA so and I don't have a cat not because I kicked it either but it's anyway it's going down the wrong path but look I think you know, there's there's all sorts of things I could put on a whiteboard one day and and maybe we'll have the opportunity to do that in a face-to-face environment. But the minute, you know, I think get some advice. If you're not sure, if you're lost and, and you re- really need to reevaluate your, your thinking and your heading, I mean, you've got a wonderful um, group of people that, that participate 
um, with your programs and in your mm. hub, Claire, and, and you know, they won't go, go far wrong in listening to what you have to tell them. And for anybody who's in business and they think that it's not working out as far as they can see, then get some perspective by talking to someone who might not have as much investment in it as you. Exactly. And often that, that objective viewpoint, somebody who can take themselves out, even if you can't, and say, you know what, I'm, I can see things you can't see because I see a forest and you just see trees. Exactly. Take the emotion out. Yeah. So if there is anybody listening to this who wants to reach out to you, wants to find you and find out more about what you do and potentially how you can help or advise them, where would they go to find you? So Beacon Advisory is my firm's name. We're based in Canberra, but we see people all over the country. Mm -hmm. um, uh, www.beaconadvisory.com.au. Um, you can reach us at hello at beaconadvisory.com.au is our email address. And our main switch in Canberra is 02-5104-3990. Awesome. I will post all of that in the show notes section of this episode as well. So someone will be able to reach out and find you easily. That'd be great. Awesome. Tony, thank you so much. It's been a fabulous conversation. As I say, there is so much more that I was, I, so many more rabbit holes I wanted to go down, but we have run out of time for now. So maybe they'll need to be a part two somewhere down the track. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Claire. Pleasure. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Real Life Business Podcast. Man, we covered some ground in that one, didn't we? Conversations that aren't always as fun to think about, you know, are businesses failing or you're know, getting into financial strife. But ultimately, you know, the, the real savvy among us, we need to have these conversations and we need to plan ahead. And I think that one of the key things that I took from this conversation is something that I've shared so, so many times over. It's the importance of being clear on where we're going. I use the analogy of jumping in our cars and driving without having a destination in mind. When we do that, we're, we're tiring ourselves out. We're running down our tires, we're running down our fuel, we're using our vehicle day in, day out, but we've got no way of knowing whether we've got to our destination. And many people can be operating their businesses in this way. So it's really, really important to get very, very clear on what we give a shit about, why we give a shit about it, what our priorities are, what our values are and what our targets are and to revisit these multiple times, like continuously because situations change, circumstances change, our businesses change, our markets change, our families change, things change and that can change the direction that we might be needing to run our business in and that is absolutely fine. It is better to to use the buzzwords, tweak and pivot than it is to um, flop and burn. So it's a really, really important thing to revisit if it's something that you haven't looked at for a while. What is important to you? Where are you heading? What do you give a shit about? What are your priorities? Leaning on from that is the importance of being informed and having as real-time data as possible to be using to make our decisions and that is where having a really great accounting system, admin system, bookkeeping system can really help us out so that we're looking at numbers as accurately as possible. We're not looking at numbers that are a month, two months, three months out of date and making decisions based on those. I have spoken um, in the past about money buckets and the ways that we can manage our money into different bank accounts so that we've got a very, very clear, easy snapshot of where we're at, as simple as looking at our internet banking. And I cannot stress how much I love using this system in my business because it is really, really easy for me to log on and go, right, I've got X amount in my business expenses account. That means that is what I can spend on paying my bills, paying my subscriptions, paying my um, any business expenses that I've got, anything over and above that. If I don't have money in that account, I can't spend it because the rest of the money that I've got in different accounts is to cover my GST, is to cover my tax, is to pay me so that I can then drip that money through to my personal buckets and pay my rent and buy my groceries and pay my school fees. So 
episode number 37. It was in season two, How to Be in Control of Our Money. And there's also a blog post on my website at clairemarkwick.com.au. So go and check that out and sing out to me if you have any questions on money buckets because, yeah, seriously, I love, love using it as a system in my business. And the third takeaway that um, I want to share from this conversation is... It's around removing our personal worth from our business. Now, the way that I interpret this is that our business is the vehicle through which we are living our purpose right now. It is not to say that if anything happens to our business or our love or passion or enthusiasm for our business changes and we decide to either close it or sell it or you know whatever we decide to do, that decision should have no impact on our own personal worth. Think of it back to the car analogy, you know, a physical vehicle. We can change cars. We can sell our car. We can upgrade our car. We can downgrade our car. We can switch it to a bike. That doesn't mean we are any less of a driver. We're just changing the vehicle that we use to get from point A to point B. And I think what Tony was saying in this conversation is about how easy it is to intertwangle, intertwangle, gosh, is that a word? To, um, you know, to confuse our own personal worth as business owners with our actual business. And so if, if we can detach that, if we can remove ourselves, if we can appreciate and have confidence in our abilities as a business owner, regardless of what actual vehicle we're using to fulfill our purpose, I think that's a really, really important mindset shift and skill that business owners and entrepreneurs can have. So yeah, wow, I would love to hear your takeaways from this conversation. Tony is going to be back presenting a masterclass session in the Real Life Business Hub in July where we're going to be digging deeper into what we can do to ensure that we are setting ourselves up financially for success in business and how to better understand business failure and to kind of demystify what a struggling business looks like and help us sort of identify when things might be getting bad and what we can do about them. So whilst it's a confronting topic, it's a really important topic to at least have some awareness around. So if you are curious to dig a little bit deeper into what we've been speaking about today, then hit me up at claremarkwick.com.au or you can message me on Instagram at claremarkwick.reignite and I will get you into the hub so you are ready to listen to Tony's session in July. Alrighty, that is it from me for this week. Till next time. You have been listening to the Real Life Business Podcast with me, Claire Marquick, bringing confidence, clarity, and calm to the busy mum in business. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. It is much appreciated. And I love to connect with you. I love to hear what you think and what you take away from these conversations. So what would be awesome for you to do right now is take a screenshot of wherever you are listening to this episode from and share it to your Instagram stories, tagging me at clairemarkwick.reignite. And let's share this real life business message. Let's share this message that we can have the business that we want, the lifestyle that we want, and it doesn't have to drive us crazy in the process. I will be back in your ears really soon. And until then, bye-bye.